following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful for your love for us. Uh, we thank you for this reminder um, that uh, Christmas uh, is a reminder of your love, is proof of your love, willing to uh, come and take on flesh and live the life that we could not live and die the death that we should die in our place. Uh, we're so grateful for your love. Now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, I pray that your spirit will continue to speak to us. Um, that we may focus on you uh, in this season and this time. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, this uh, season of Advent is a season of longing, of anticipation. Um, and maybe uh, not for you, but certainly for me, um, the celebration of Christmas has uh, taught us to do this, um, to long for something. Um, unfortunately, I can only speak for myself, uh, but for the most part, I've been trained to long for stuff that doesn't really satisfy. Um, when I was a kid, um, every year we get in the mail a giant Sears catalog. Some of you know what that is. For you who don't, it's a giant stack of papers with pictures on them of, uh, of things you could buy, like Amazon, only in a book. Uh, it was huge. Um, so every year, my sister and I would flip through the millions of pages of the Sears catalog and circle the things that we wanted for Christmas. Um, so one year, on the pages of the Sears catalog, I found what I thought, what must have been the most fun toy ever invented. Electric football. How cool could this be? electric football. I circled the item on the page. It must have taken half the page. And I folded down the corner to be sure my mom and dad, this is how we did our Christmas list. We didn't do a lot with Santa Claus or anything, but we, our list was the Sears catalog. And, and, every, and every day I would look at the picture and I would read the magical description of the best toy ever made. And I must have told my parents about this thing a thousand times and made sure they knew that's what I wanted for Christmas. And this was before I ever saw Ralphie in the Christmas story doing the same thing with his Red Rider uh, BB gun. And on one fateful Christmas morning, all my dreams came true. All of my longing and waiting and pleading paid off and I got electric football for Christmas. The Super Bowl edition. So it's bigger. Huge. Wow. And I set that baby up and I punch out all the little cardboard 
pieces and the scoreboard and the little plastic yard markers and, and goal posts and put all the numbers on the little players and put them on their little bases and set them up for the most anticipated game of football ever played. And I plugged that thing in and I turned it on and it did exactly what every electric football game has ever done for any kid who has ever longed for it. It buzzed like crazy and the little sheet metal field vibrated and all those little football players just spun in circles. This is the dumbest thing anybody has ever invented. What a disappointment. No matter what I did or how hard I tried, I could not get anybody to run in a straight line or even in a general direction that I wanted them to go in. It's a little bit like church every Sunday. I... I was so disappointed. I, well, for what I thought was going to be so great was met with a crushing blow of reality. I had been duped into dreaming and longing and even begging for the lamest toy anyone has ever seen. This is exactly what our American tradition of Christmas has done for us. It has taught us to long for something whether it's gifts or time with family or high sales numbers for your company or overtime or different Christmas traditions that you might have. But they all have one thing in common. None of them truly satisfy. All of these things eventually fade into memories, some good and some bad. Some might make for a good story, but none of them are permanent. Last week, we looked at the first verse of Charles Wesley's Advent hymn uh, that we've sung already, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus, written in 1744 uh, for his hymns of the nativity of our Lord. Wesley outlines the thing that we can long for, that when we receive, we will find that we will not be disappointed, a gift that will satisfy not only in the here and now, but on into eternity. And that's Jesus Christ himself. We had the wonderful privilege of going to the best funeral I have ever been to yesterday. Uh, for a man that I learned a lot about from people that knew him for a long time. And a wonderful celebration of a brother in the Lord who is receiving his reward what he has longed for and looked forward to, being in the presence of God. Wesley wrote the words, um, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. And today I'd like to examine verse 2. Born thy people to deliver, 
born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. We talk about verse 1 and where is outlined the thousands of years of prophecy and expectation of the Jewish people. Uh, Verse 2 outlines the fulfillment of all that was promised in the person and work of Jesus Christ the Lord. There's a car parked in just the wrong spot to shine in my eyes. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to public shame resolved to divorce her quietly But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I know that every Christmas season we read these words, But I wonder how often we think about Joseph's disappointment. Joseph was anticipating, be a married man, take a wife, and then to find out she's pregnant with some other person's child. And we read this very vanilla, honestly, as Joseph considered these things. Well, isn't that nice? If this is you, do you... Hmm. Wow. He's wrecked. His life turned upside down. Everything he expected. No. I expect to take a wife who's waited for me. And then all of a sudden, that must have been horrible as he considered these things as he pulling his hair out and shaking his fist, the Lord steps in and says, Oh, buddy, relax. I've got this under control. I think it's amazing um, the way the Lord works sometimes. I have a computer program I use for my study. It really helps me and I couldn't get it to open this week. I'm going to try to do my best to study, and I want to use the tools that are available to me. 
but the tools were not available to me this week. That's not an excuse. This could be really lame from here on out, but that's not my excuse. Uh, I wanted to be able to tell you more specifically about the meaning of the name Jesus. Um, it's a Hebrew name, Yeshua, uh, that we pronounce Jesus because, well, I do. You say it different. But <laughs> it, it means salvation. It means deliverer. And that's why when the angel says, you will call his name Jesus, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Even his name spoke to his calling and work. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Jesus' name means deliverer. And it was the father that gave him that name, not Joseph. I think that's, I think that's pretty neat. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they will strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd the flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. The reason that Israel rejected Jesus and continues to reject Jesus was that he didn't deliver them from what they wanted to be delivered from. They continue in that disappointment. They wanted a political Messiah then, and they still do now. They wanted someone to free them from the oppression of Rome, not from the oppression of their own sinfulness. And the temptation exists for us as well to relegate Jesus to merely a social Messiah, to allow him to rule only in our public affairs and to include us in certain so social circles. But that's not why Jesus came. Look, I love you guys, and you are a great benefit of being uh, belonging to Jesus. But if you're it... I will be sorely disappointed. If I'm it for you, you should already feel a little disappointment. <laughs> Wesley wrote in his second line, Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, uh, rule in all our hearts alone. I think I wrote those backwards. I don't know. Hum the tune in your mind and see if I got it wrong. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. This season of longing, 
when we long for Christ's kingdom to come, we must first recognize that Christ's kingdom is in us and we are in it. It is in us because Christ himself, within whom the fullness of deity dwells bodily, lives within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? You know, we were at this funeral yesterday and I was convicted in this time of worship where my friend Jim's son is leading worship like I've never experienced before. It was amazing. And the people's hands are lifted to the Lord and their hearts are open to him. And I don't think it was anything unusual that they were doing. But the power of the Holy Spirit was so strong in the room. I felt a great conviction that perhaps my faith is just kind of cerebral. Like I just, I know what things are right. And that's all right. Like I know the truth but not really feeling very set free. We have to know that he whom the fullness of, bodily, of, fullness of deity dwells bodily lives within us. And that's not just a mental thing. I'm not sure I'll make a point here. We, we are not just waiting for a kingdom to come. We are in that kingdom now. Now it's just a shadow of what is coming. And even what we experienced yesterday is just a glimpse, just a glimmer. But we are in Christ's kingdom now and his kingdom is in us. Because as Paul wrote in Colossians 1.29, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've been given just a down payment, but at least we have it. I think sometimes I think and act like, yeah, well, it checks in the mail and we're just waiting. Hmm. When we sing the words Born to reign in us forever Now thy gracious kingdom bring When we sing these words We are in essence submitting to the rule and reign of Christ in our lives Not just ah, Not just in our brain But in our hearts crowning him as the sovereign king of every aspect of our lives. And the challenge is not to just leave that thought as mere words, but to truly submit in all aspects of our lives to him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever, not just generally, but ever invited Jesus to rule and reign over specific areas in your life? Have you ever laid the, laid the books open 
and ask him to rule and reign over the things that drive you, over the things that you crave, or the things that make you happy, or even the things that upset you? Specifically, Lord, reign in in this thing. It's eating at me all the time. It's the only way to truly find our rest in him, as his song says, and to allow him to rule in all our hearts alone. Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart." And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden of our sin is no longer ours to bear. And for me, that's the easy part. The burden of lordship of our lives is no longer ours to bear. Through faith in Jesus, he has traded yokes with us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake God made him to to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. And as the last line of the song says, By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is Christ's work, not ours, that reserves a place for us in his eternal kingdom. His work, his merit is all sufficient. 
Only his work can accomplish that for us. Our work is merely a response to his kindness to us. It is his work that will allow us to be raised to his glorious throne. It just so happened in my own personal devotion reading, I've been in Revelation. You know, it's my favorite book. But I read these words in chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And they also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, I was tempted to leave that last part off. Who wants to think about that? So let this serve as a comfort and a warning. Those of us that trust the Lord have this wonderful eternal home with God to look forward to. This is what we long for. But those who reject Him and those who reject His gracious offer of forgiveness and love will all be destroyed in the lake of fire. It seems to me that our longing should motivate us to extend that offer of forgiveness through faith in Christ to those around us and so rescue our friends and neighbors through faith in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the reminder um, that you have so much more for us than just thinking these things through and having correct opinions on doctrinal matters, but that you have life to live in us, that you have power to exercise through us, that by your own eternal spirit you long to rule in our hearts alone. 
Father, we do look forward to that day with longing and eager expectation that you would raise us to your glorious throne. And it is only by your all-sufficient merit that is possible. Not any work that we have done, not all the facts that we have in order, but your work on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of faith that we could come to you, turn from our sin, and run to you in faith. Father, I pray that our faith would not just be a collection of facts, but it would be the exercise of your Holy Spirit in our lives, in our every day, in our every moment. Help us, Lord, to train ourselves to look for you and so experience your presence in our lives. For we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.